Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are continuing this morning our summer series on the Psalms that shape us, where we've been preaching on Psalms that different people in the congregation have submitted to us with stories about why these Psalms are meaningful to them. And these have all been so interesting and so different, and today is no exception to that. It will be very different, because this Psalm was actually submitted on behalf of our kids because Psalm 96 is the psalm that they will be reading throughout the summer in Wild Wonder. They spent one week talking about it and contemplating it together, and then they've heard little fractions of it in their morning prayer together each week. And so today's sermon is going to reflect the fact that it was heavily informed by children's insights, children's reflections, children's ways of seeing the world and thinking about things, They have really helped me through their submissions to craft this sermon. And so it's going to be more tactile, more participatory, more visual, more concrete than sermons I normally preach. And I hope that in doing it this way, it will help all of us to enter the kingdom as little children. I hope it will help all of us become like children in the way we pray this and other psalms, the way we see the kingdom of God, the way we imagine God working in the world. So what I did was I created an activity for the kids, and I used the message version of this psalm. Now, sometimes the message version sounds a little weird, it sounds a little out there, it can kind of jar us, but I actually really appreciate the ways that it sort of jolts us awake when we read it. And Eugene Peterson, who did the message translation, was a master of Bible languages, so he knew what he was doing. If his language is jarring, it's because the original Hebrew in the psalm is really jarring. And so his point in writing the message, and he started with the psalms, was for people to rediscover what is so fresh and raw and jolting and surprising in the psalms, and to help get those words back into the mouths of God's people in prayer, back into God's people's imaginations as a way of seeing the world and praying into the world. So we're going to use that version today, and I'm going to start just by reading it. Sing God a brand new song. Earth and everyone in it sing. Sing to God. Worship God. Shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Tell the news of his glory to the lost. News of his wonders to one and all. For God is great and worth a thousand hallelujahs. His furious beauty puts the other gods to shame. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags. God made the heavens. Royal splendor radiates from him. A powerful beauty sets him apart. Bravo, God. Bravo. Everyone join in the great shout. Encore. In awe before the beauty, in awe before the might. Bring gifts and celebrate. Bow before the beauty of God. Then to your knees, everyone worship. Get out the message that God rules. He put the world on a firm foundation. He treats everyone fair and square. So let's hear it from sky with earth joining in and a huge round of applause from the sea. Let the wilderness turn cartwheels, animals come and dance. Put every tree of the forest in the choir and extravaganza before God as he comes as he comes to set everything right on earth, set everything right, treat everyone fair. So what I did for our kids was I created a sort of Mad Libs style fill in the blank for this psalm using the last three verses, the ones that start with, let's hear it from the sky, earth joining in, etc. 
And what I did is I took out the psalmist's words, the language from the world of the psalmist, and I invited the kids to put in their own words, to use the language from their world. And I was really blown away by what the kids sent me, and thank you to the parents who facilitated this for me. And what I've done is I have just combined them all together, and in just a moment I'm going to read it to you as sort of a collective prayer from our children. And as I do this, we're going to do something even more childlike, and I'm going to depend on Russell to help me with this. So great to be a curate here at Incarnation, things you get to do. We are going to use a flannel graph to pray this psalm visually. So as I read this children's version of the psalm, Russell is going to put the different images that we hear up on what we have discovered is a giant felt board uh, on the wall behind me. Now, a few caveats. Not every word you hear is going to make it up there because I discovered it's really hard to make germs and mosquitoes and Doyle's outposts and a few other things out of felt. So not every single word, but most of them are going to be up there. And then the other caveat that you're going to want to know now so you don't just laugh through the whole thing is that none of these images are to scale. <laughs> so this is Psalm 96, verses 11 to 13 the Incarnation Children's Version. Let's hear it from birds, clouds, sun, blue jays, mosquitoes, and stars. With plants, seashells, birds, bears, foxes, paintings, and flowers joining in. And a huge round of applause from dolphins, rainbow fish, jellyfish, germs, sharks, mermaids, and microplankton. Let spiders, fire ants, beetles, mice, caterpillars, bees, rabbits, and chihuahuas turn cartwheels. Let blue whales, giant squid, octopus, and megalodon come and dance. Put every cactus, every greenbrier, every rose, evergreen, marigold, redwood, and moss in the choir. Every living thing that grows in Mexico, Nana's house, Doyle's outpost, Grandma and Grandpa Johnson's old house, Destin, Florida, the Hyatt, the Isle of Wight, and the Well Ice Cream Shop in Michigan. <laughs> we will have such an extravaganza. It will be like a birthday party with Dad and cats and Harry Potter, like a tea party with Emmy, like a party in Cooperstown, like a party with our friends and family and lots of singing and dancing like a party with the whole family dead and alive, and our closest friends with laser tag and pizza and a fun house with desert, sorry, dessert and ice cream and donuts and balloons with a unicorn pinata and a mermaid cake that tastes like rose water with a hint of blueberry. That kind of celebration before God as he comes as he comes to set everything right on earth, set everything right, treat everyone fair. Isn't that glorious? That picture of all things, dead, alive, extinct, remembered, imagined, hoped for, all things coming under the reign of God as king. And that's what Psalm 96 is about. It's about God being the king and judge of everything announcing that news everywhere. It starts off, sing to the Lord a new song, and our kids have helped us do exactly that. 
They've helped this very, very old song become a new song for us, one that's full of life and imagination and creativity, and more importantly, full of the things that they wonder about, the things they think about, and the things they hope for. And that's really what we all want to be doing when we come to the Psalms. And so now, grown-ups, we're going to try it for ourselves. I don't have flannel for this part, but we are going to try a sort of impromptu psalm fill-in-the-blank Mad Lib, and we'll see how it goes. We're going to create our new song with this psalm together. We won't do the same verses as the kids. But let's start off easy. Actually, I need to grab a pen, so don't forget what you say. Can someone bring me a pen? Thank you. Uh, So the first one, think about the farthest away place that you've been. Thanks, Andy. The farthest away place that you've been, and someone just call one out. Newfoundland, excellent. Okay, and now I need one more. What's another? Wow, you guys have been a lot of places. I heard Papua New Guinea first, so I'm gonna go with that one. Excellent. And now, this one's a little bit harder. I want you to spend a moment thinking about a place that feels God-forsaken, a place that feels maybe like people don't know or love or honor God. This might be a faraway place, a geographic place, but might also be somewhere close to home. It might not even be a real place. It might be an idea. But think of a place where God feels far away in our world. I'm going to keep this one for the grown-ups. Darfur. Hmm. All right. Taking what we have just crowdsourced, this is our version right in this moment of verses 2 to 3 of this psalm. Shout the news of God's victory from Newfoundland to Papua New Guinea. Take the news of his glory to Darfur, news of his wonders to one and all. That's pretty good. Let's do one more, and this time I'm going to ask you to take it another layer deeper. So I want you to spend a moment just thinking about what God is like, thinking about his attributes, things like mercy, justice, kindness, whatever it is that you love about God. And then as you're thinking about what God is like, I want you to think, and then you can call out some attribute of God's that is really at odds with the world that we live in, with our society, our culture, our sort of day-to-day life. And when you have one, you can call it out. I heard so many things all at once. (laughs) Thanks. And now I want you to think of something in our society. And again, this might be a real place, but more likely it's an idea, a philosophy, an ideology, a habit, a substance, even maybe a technology. But something in our society that really captivates people but that is not good for them, that maybe even can control or exploit or oppress them. And I'm going to need two of these things, so think about that, and when you're ready, call it out. It's hard for me to hear from up here, so you can call it out really loud. Mmm, social media, thank you. Excellent. Okay, we've got our psalm. Thank you. So taking our contributions, here is our collective psalm 
right now this morning, our version of verses 4 to 5. For God is great and worth a thousand hallelujahs. His patience and justice put social media to shame. Cable news is mere tatters and rags. So all of these things, Cooperstown, cable news, social media, grandma and grandpa's house, mermaid pinatas, all of these things have a home in the psalm. They're all prayers that are meant to be prayed. They're meant to come into today's world. They're meant to come into the things we actually think and care about concretely, not abstractly, the things that we are actually wondering how to navigate. And that's particularly true of Psalm 96, because this psalm is trying to reorient us to a world that's under God's reign, a world where God is king as he is meant to be and as he will be. And one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, I've probably mentioned him plenty, is a guy named Walter Brueggemann. And he writes about how all of the psalms can roughly fit into three categories. There's psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of new orientation. And these categories correspond to all of life for us, and we've heard some of that already in our psalm series. Orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. That is the pathway we are always walking on as Christians. We are always on our way through these phases of our lives, these phases of our faith. So the psalms of orientation are the psalms that anchor us in what is real and true. God made the world. God made us. God's law is just. God's order is trustworthy. God did all these mighty things in history. Those are the psalms of orientation. They just say, this is reality. This is our orientation. The psalms of disorientation, and there are lots and lots of these, these are the psalms that deal with what happens when something messes up our sense of orientation, when something pulls the rug out from under us and makes everything topple, when God no longer seems so trustworthy and orderly and reliable, when life doesn't feel blessed, or good, or stable. And these psalms, they accuse, they whine, they exaggerate, they lament, they even rage at God. They give voice to the rawest stuff that we experience, and they also give permission to bring all of that stuff to God in prayer. They say all of that is okay to say to God. And then the psalms of new orientation are the psalms on the other side of that, these moments of surprising grace when God has broken through our disorientation and he has surprised us with some fresh understanding of who he is and how he's working in the world and what he wants to do. And God is always bringing us to a new orientation. He always brings us there through disorientation. He doesn't bulldoze our questions or our doubts or our pain but he brings them into the realm of things that God is making new. And he says, I am king, I am reigning even here. And Psalm 96 is a psalm of new orientation. It invites a new song to be sung, this new and really joyful experience of God as king and judge. And that song that's meant to be sung in places and among people where nobody would expect it. It's not just being sung among the happy people and the good people and in the sort of upright places. 
it talks about this new song being sung amongst enemies and godless pagans and their idols in the places where we don't see God's kingdom yet, but we really want to and we really hope to. And this psalm assures us again and again that we will. Someday we will. And so I wonder where you have not yet experienced God as king, where it feels like God is not yet reigning, maybe over some area of your life, your circumstances, maybe some part of your interior life. There might be a place in your own heart or soul that still needs its view of God and what he is doing to be healed and restored. You might be in a season of disorientation, or you might look around at our world and see these issues that feel intractable and unjust and just so hopelessly messed up. Whatever it is, I wonder if you can begin to imagine what it might mean for God to be king and judge right there, for God to set this right. And I wonder if, like the psalm, you could begin to pray as though God is already doing that. Well, another way of talking about this, another way of thinking about God being king and judge of all things, is the language of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's language Jesus uses all the time, and it's language that he used in today's gospel reading. And Jesus came announcing that this kingdom had come near, that it is already here, that it is breaking into our world. And Jesus taught us to pray for that kingdom to be more here. Thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. And in today's gospel, Jesus describes that kingdom as a mustard seed, as yeast, as a pearl, as buried treasure, and a fishing net. And it's like Jesus himself is singing this new song. It's like he is giving people a new orientation, a new way of understanding what God's kingdom is, what it looks like, where it's coming, what life under God's rule looks like. And the coming of Jesus is the ultimate act of God's new orientation. God wants to be known and understood so badly right here where we actually live in our actual lives that he became one of us. He entered his creation with all of its brokenness so that he could make it new. And Jesus is always inviting us into that newness, into newer and better life in God's kingdom. So that's the new orientation that Psalm 96 invites us to imagine. And as we imagine that, it invites us to rediscover this God who is worthy of our praise, who is worthy of singing new songs, a God whose glory is actually worth declaring among the nations, a God whose kingdom we actually want to announce and even celebrate with dancing and unicorn pinatas and laser tag and a cake that has just a hint of blueberries. Amen.